This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate. Morena, no mai kiti korero. Welcome to the catch up on Manawatu People's Radio. Tereo Irarangi Onatangata O Manawatu. And it's the first one uh, for this week. Uh, schedules have conspired against us. The pandemic has conspired against us. So apologies for my absence Monday to Thursday. But we are here uh, to round out the week, uh, probably uh, with uh, a person that can answer the most questions that we might have with the current things that are going on. Uh, Atamari Eitangi Utakeri Memo Parimata. Morena Kiorana Fraser certainly try and answer the questions, <laughs> yes. but welcome back. <laughs> yes, thank you. Um, yes, it's the new normal. Uh, I was uh, rat tested yesterday. Well, I'd had to, you have to do it yourself now. You do. Um, you know how people complained the PCR test was quite uncomfortable mm-hmm. and the rat test would be easier? No, I prefer the PCR. No, that, that was your experience? Mm. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I think, and part of it is you know a trained professional's doing it, not your own cack-handed <laughs> self trying to jam something up your nose. Anyway, um, yes, it's it's easy to do. Um, Very convenient. Yes. I mean, the, the rat testing is, is convenient. Now, you know how the government have like, what was it, 22? Well, we're straight into those questions. Well, no, no, just, um, just we, yeah, why not? Um, you know the government said there's, there's 22 million, I think it's 22 million rat tests in the country. We got a box of a box for a rat test. It contains four. So is yeah. that like 88 million in effect? Is it 22 million boxes or are we counting each individual test? No, the my box? understanding is that they are the tests. Right, okay. It's just the stock coming in yeah. boxes. And talking with a, a local medical professional yesterday, you know, she was saying also that her, her supplies for um, her workplace were in boxes as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's how they come. Fair enough. Okay. Um, speaking of the pandemic, uh, we should note there are two locations of interest in the mid-central DHB area. One is the Palmerston North Hospital Emergency Department, somewhat unsurprising. Mm. Um, 22nd of February between 8.45pm and 10.15pm. Uh, and also the subway on Victoria Avenue in Whanganui, not Palmerston North, the subway Victoria Avenue in Whanganui on the 17th of February uh, between 7 p.m. and 7.30. So if you are in those places at those times, uh, you need to be uh, isolating and checking for symptoms. Although, no, 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 no. We're in phase three. We are. Santangi, explain. So phase three, um, it's, it's, it's actually quite easy for, I think, mm. uh, for people to understand what the phase is about. And really, it means if you test positive, uh, then you need to self-isolate for 10 days. And With there your are restrictions farmer. around that for, alongside your household contacts. Mm-hmm. So let Let's remember that some whānau dynamics are very different. Um, This relates to people who live in the same household. So students that are flat sharing. In the same Mm -hmm. household, that's Mm -hmm. right. So if if you test positive, then you're required to self-isolate for 10 days. If you are a household contact of a person who tests positive, then you are also required to self-isolate for 10 days. But the addition for the contact in the household is that you have to take two tests, Mm -hmm. one on day three, and you count day zero as the day that the person is informed of the notification that they have tested positive. The tests that you have to take as a contact are on day three and day 10. And um, it's day 10, obviously, because... 
the the transmission point might be just a little bit delayed. Yeah. Um, you can't uh, leave self isolation until you feel well and that you've got that clear day ten test. Um, but if you are a close contact. You don't have to self-isolate. You just have to monitor for symptoms. That's right. You do. So there, there is a bit of a change in that the person who tests positive for COVID, it's really a responsibility to inform your close contacts. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is as we in, um, expect the numbers to increase and dramatically increase, and we've seen that well, certainly over the last, already last week already, yes. yeah, um, that it, it's just not practical to have our contact tracers um, doing that work. So mm-hmm. it's about putting the responsibility back on individuals. Um, and, you know, I, I, I guess what I would say is that people seem to be taking the responsibility really seriously. If they feel unwell, they go and get a test. Mm-hmm. If they've been at the locations of interest, they go and get a test. The point of difference that probably is worth uh, mentioning to listeners, of course, is that the range of tests are different. So if you are um, self-isolating, then as a household contact, then the test will be a, a rat test, yep. as you've talked about. Yep. Um, and that's why there's provision within the community for those. But yeah, if you are a close contact, that is, you're someone who uh, has had some contact with someone who tested positive, but you don't live in the same household as them, mm-hmm. then you, you don't need to isolate. You can still go to work, but you need to self-monitor yourself for symptoms. And this is the issue that I take. That this is the problem I have with it, is that, yes, the rules are simple to understand, but morally and ethically you may feel torn between, well, I'm allowed to go to work, but do I, re- do I really want to put my workmates at risk if I am infected? Yes, and I understand that because people, I guess, look around the world and see what um, COVID-19 can do, and we all want to protect our whānau and our friends and our community. And so there will be some hesitancy for some people to make certain decisions. Well, you know, I was texting you last night going, are you sure you want to come in because, you know, I've tested negative? But Yeah, and, and you know, the, the reality around that, I think, um, is that many people will want to ask a few questions around the context and yes. the environment. And, I mean, I'm very happy to come in and, and speak to you because of the, the assurances that, that you've given me, but also because of the, the safe practices that, that you operate here at the station. So, um, but, but having said that, I appreciate that some people will be hesitant, and, and that's, that's fine. It's okay to be hesitant, but we all just need to be doing the right thing. We need to be looking out for each other, and we mm. need to be looking out for ourselves. Um, as you say, the numbers are spiralling out of uh, – well, not out of control, but they're, they're, they're getting huge. Over 6,000 uh, yesterday. We, the trend seems to be it sort of sits at about 6,000 per day for a while, and then it will go up to 12, and it like doubles every few days. Yeah. Um, although locally, well, it kind of bore true. 77 new cases yesterday in the mid-central DHB, which is a big jump for us. We, we seem to be somewhat insulated up until now. Yeah, it, it is a jump. Um, and I guess, you know, having a look at the data, you're right, the modelling suggests that the caseload would double every three days yeah. or so. And we've seen actually um, over the last couple of weeks that that slowed a little bit for us. So, you know, a lot of the projection was that we would hit the peak um, towards the end of, of March. It's probably looking as though that will actually push out to some time in, in mid or by mid-April. Yeah. So the, the the peak in terms of getting there has slowed, um, and I guess that's because of the, the good measures that 
that have been put in place, but the responsibility that people are taking. But you're right, and um, we do anticipate, and the government expected, the ministry expected that these numbers would continue to increase. They have, and we're starting to see that. And what's comforting is that people are prepared for that. And of course, we are reminded by a number of epidemiologists, a word that I was hitherto unable to pronounce before well a pandemic, uh, that actually, in reality, we're probably looking at fifteen to 18,000 cases in New Zealand right now. It's just the vast majority are triple vaccinated and thus asymptomatic but we should not rest in our laurels or take things for granted. That's right. And a number of people who, who will be positive at the moment won't be displaying any symptom, yeah. any symptoms because of the fact that they are triple vaxxed. Um, so the, the push on boosters and getting people to that point has been really quite important in terms of um, the collective well-being of, of the community. But we are expecting, as everyone does know, those numbers to increase. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's really important that people that haven't had their booster continue to do that. Or even if you you know, are yet to be double vaxxed, I know there are a couple um, in that category, then it's, it's still important. And the DHB are conti- and providers are continuing to provide those opportunities for people. We are here with Tang Utikeri, Member of Parliament for Palmerston North, on the catch-up this morning. If you want to listen to this or previous editions of the catch-up series, just head to the website npr.nz forward slash show forward slash catch-up. Also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your online content. Um, uh, remember when we thought 2020 was awful? Yeah, I think I think we had that, yeah, that and conversation. Then, and then 2021... Although I got this new role in 2020, so there's some oh, sort right, of... Oh, well, yeah, that's true. And in 2021, we went, OK, no, this is awful, 2020, we, that, that was fine. Well, it appears Vladimir Putin thinks that 2022 just needs to kick it up a notch. Yeah, it's really disappointing. I mean, you know, like Oh, well, that's night, an understatement. <laughs> well, it is, um, and, and it's grave. I think it's disgusting. I mean, that's, it, it, you're right, you're right. Um, and, you know, learning about that over the last couple of days and then even people would have woken up this morning to hear I was of, glued to my laptop last night watching MSNBC, just watching it unfold, going, what in the name of all things? Yeah, and I guess at the moment, you know, we've got our foreign minister, Nanaya Mahuta, who is in Europe. Yep. And so um, that was a, a planned trip as part of um, global, a global meeting of um, foreign ministers. And so she's made it very clear, and the Prime Minister late last night has made it very clear as well around what New Zealand's expectations are. Um, as a country, we condemn what uh, President uh, Putin has has embarked upon mm-hmm. um, and, you know, we'll put in place measures. We already have overnight put in place measures uh, as a government to signal to uh, the Russian uh, president and government that um, it, it's not the right thing to do and that we're mm. not happy. Um, it, will he even? Will, will Russia even notice our sanctions? I think what's really interesting is that when you are a member of the global community, um, there can be an element of collective force. So New Zealand in isolation, for example, I think Russia is certainly in our top 30 in terms of exports. I think it's the late 20s or thereabouts. Mm. Um, so, you know, and a lot of that is dairy. So if if we are preventing by way of putting in place trade sanctions between our country and um, then, and Russia – that will have a little bit of a dent, but where it's done collectively with other global alliances coming together and doing the same thing, then it does purely rely on Russia as a country to uh, become 
more insular and focus on what they have internally to provide for themselves. That's just one aspect. I mean, if we look at our diplomatic relations, yesterday the uh, Russian ambassador was called in. That's a particular phrase where mm. the ambassador or high commissioner is summons to um, hear the displeasure of, of the government about mm. particular actions. Um, there have been implications for visas for government officials visiting or transiting through New Zealand. So New Zealand won't be doing this in isolation. There'll be other countries around the world and certainly in NATO um, as an organisation who'll be putting in place similar sanctions. And when you impose sanctions, for example, stopping Russia's ability to buy dairy products from New Zealand, that's going to hurt us as well. There are there are flow on effects in that space. That's I'm not suggesting it's sure. not worth it, by the way. But it, no. some people are going to hurt in this country as a result of that. It, it does, though, open up opportunities for supply to go elsewhere where there is existing demand. Mm-hmm. So it can see a strengthening of existing trade relationships with uh, countries that we already have relationships and ties and agreements in place. Um, but it, it signals to Russia that at a humanitarian level, at a government level, and certainly out, out in our community, you know, talk with those folk that um, there is a lot of dissatisfaction around this. I, as I mentioned, I was watching MSNBC last night, just glued to it, and I am not an economist. I will use layman's terms, but there was a section quite early on um, from a a British economist who laid this out in, in understandable at the time terms, and I'm struggling to recall it now, but the basic premise was that all the knock-on effects from this economically will, and, and we're seeing it, all the stock markets are just crashing at the moment. The ruble's gone through the floor. But all the stock markets are, are just, all the confidence has gone out of them. This is going to have implications on people's investments and most concerningly, it's probably going to have implications on people's kiwi savers. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that um, there will be a global imp- implication around this because uh, when something like this happens, there's an element of uncertainty, there's an element of instability that kicks in. And certainly when we're looking at global stock markets, they are reliant on global factors. Um, New Zealand is not insulated in that sense. So, yeah, there will be um, some implications as a result on that. I, I can't comment specifically on what they are because I'm not aware of what they will be at this stage. But there are impacts because, yes, Kiwi Savers, depending on what um, your portfolio looks like and your portfolio selection will depend largely on on uh, a number of international share portfolios. So mm. um, there will be some implication. I see that the New Zealand stock market has already dropped around 3%, 3.3%. Which is not bad compared to some of the other ones. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Vladimir Putin obviously wants to be known as the manly man. Manly, manly man. And uh, when he declared, well, in essence, war on Ukraine, uh, he was keen to point out that if anyone uh, tried to retaliate on behalf of Ukraine, uh, then there would be implications like the world had never seen before. And then he sort of swung around his nuclear prowess in mm. front of everyone. I mean, it was terrifying to watch someone do that in 2022, regardless, manly man. Um, Will he, do you think, see the sanctions as the retaliation? Because, I mean, it is in effect, isn't it? Well, it's the first step, but it's a significant step. Um, There's no doubt that the global community outside of uh, Russia and anyone who decides to support Russia uh, will be having conversations in that space about what what else can can be done. I will point out that our government uh, minister Mahuta has also indicated that you know she, she wants to look at whether there's a humanitarian mm-hmm. um, role that New Zealand can play, and and certainly 
if we look back at New Zealand's history, we have always stepped in in a humanitarian sphere and space. And so, you know, if there is a role that we can play, then certainly we will be looking to do that. Uh, scary times. Uh, last I heard, the, the Russian forces had taken Chernobyl, which is also scary mm. because we all know what happened there. Um, is there any good news? <laughs> Just looking at my list, the protesters are still in Wellington. Yeah, well, I, I and mean, actually, I, no, I'm sorry, the illegal occupiers are still in Wellington. This isn't a protest anymore, is it? Well, the last time you and I spoke, um, I was actually. Um, on precinct down mm. at Parliament, yes. and you know, you made it clear that it was on the on the Thursday as a pre-record. And at that stage, I I had finished the the interview with you in the morning. Yes, um, and, and then that's it when, all kicked then, off. Yeah, the police were starting to arrest people outside my office um, area. So, um, look, I, I don't want to spend too much time talking about those people, uh, but what I will say is that you know, I well support what the Prime Minister has said. I think I said it actually at the time. Um, she didn't get it from me. Mm. Uh, that you know, it's time for these people to go home. And but they're not going to. When Winston disruption. and David are wandering around, basically uh, justifying their actions. I mean, David Seymour, I kind of get it, but at the same time, Parliament had unanim- unanimously said yep. they weren't going to engage, and then he goes off and speaks to to people. Uh, is it surprising that Winston turned up? I don't know. I mean, he's, he wants to get back into the game again. So, you know, there's a few people that will get his vote if he if he turns up. But it, it, I mean, it's so obvious what they're doing. I'll use the word again, disappointing. Yes. You know, it, it really is. And uh, as someone who has been down uh, at Precinct and as a result of what's happening down there, uh, movement has been severely restricted. Um, you know, you, I look out the window and there's a whole range of dif- different individuals there. They're, um, they're breaking the law. Um, they're, they're being disrespectful. There's, you know, human excrement all various places. Do you ever, I mean, you've been in New Zealand a lot longer than I have and been involved in the political sphere a lot longer than I have, even maybe as an observer when you were younger. But has there ever been uh, a protest like this before where there is blatant uh, threatening behaviour towards politicians? Because I'm thinking of your Tamaitis and your John Mm. Mintos who are well known for demonstrating and protesting in this country. I don't remember them saying, you know, it's all Jucinda's fault, hanging nooses off trees mm. in the Parliament grounds, wandering round with a, a, a full-size crucifix on a dolly on Parliament grounds. I mean, it's bloody ludicrous. No, I, 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 I've never seen anything like this. Um, most protests have been peaceful. Well, they, they can be lawful, vocal. They can but be... they've all been rallied around one particular cause as well. One cause, and you can, I mean, the, the march from Maori Wards, the Hikoi um, in Fielding, that was vocal and it sounded angry, but it was done, prof- well, I think quite professionally. Mm-hmm. It was on point, on message. The, uh, you know, I, I do not dispute there are probably a lot of just fed up people in the Parliament grounds right now, but you're not going to change anything by just standing there going, I'm fed up and I think you should die. Um, uh, Which is the reality. I mean, the reality reality is that, you know, MPs, including myself, have received threats directly like that. Yes. So, you know, I'm not going to go out and engage with these these people. And this is the point that Winston's missing, isn't it? Because he's come out uh, on record now in a newspaper article saying this should be over by now, just get out there and engage. Or you should exactly. have done in day one. And and he's not in Parliament at the no, moment either. No. I mean, yeah. 
Um, so what is the the next step for this? I mean, do we just watch the police slowly squeeze them out? Because uh, there are people in Palmerston North. I mean, my Facebook feed is every day disappointing as someone else turns out to be on the side of the illegal occupiers down in Wellington. Um, you, they're saying that um, the police are saying reconsider, don't go down at the weekend. You, you know, you're probably not going to even get in. People are going to be turning up, Tangy, mm. on Saturday. It's going to swell again. And, you know, I mean, what you hear from a range of MPs is that the way in which the police go about their business is over to them. And that's right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to live in a community or a society where the government of the day directs the police on how to enforce and who to arrest and all of no, that no. sort of stuff. We don't want that. Um, it's clear that the police are working hard and you know there, there are some uh, members of the local constabulary here from Palmerston North who are who are down there um, who took the time to come and have a quick chat with me while mm-hmm. I was on precinct. There are implications around the country. If, if that is happening then it means that you know our local bobbies are not here on the ground. So uh, the police need to be um, working in the best way possible that they've, they've indicated that, that they're going to do that um, but this this needs to cease and it needs to end. But you're right. I mean, you know, people shouldn't be going down to have a look. This is not a fun, fair bit of excitement that people should be going to have a look at these. Uh, it's a location of interest. It is a location of interest. It is um, a, a place where COVID is spreading. And basically, it's a place where an illegal gathering is, is taking place. Mm. Um, Heather Schotter, uh, CEO of Palmerston North City Council. This is a, a, well, slightly better news than some of the other stuff we've been talking about this morning. Um, she is resigning uh, to take up a position where she will be helping to lead Three Waters reform uh, in Palmerston North. And you know, all the best to Heather. I mean, Palmerston North City Council has been a, a stable-run organisation over the, the past few years. No complaints there. I find it quite surprising, given the the turbulent nature of Three Waters reform right now. Well, I mean, you know, congratulate Heather mm. um, on on her appointment to that role. I think it's been four and a half years, uh, along with the mayor. Um, I was involved in the appointment process. Um, yes, and it's, that's it's right. Not a, it's not a, an easy process to appoint a new chief executive. It takes quite some time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we were delighted with uh, her appointment and she's obviously made the choice to to move on to this new role. I think it will be an exciting role for her. It's, uh, as I understand it, heading up the transition unit within the Department of Internal Affairs. Yeah. So uh, the government have made very clear that we are going to move and progress to the Three Waters approach um, and that legislation will be introduced at some stage to do that. And so Heather will be um, part of leading that process, transitioning from what we have currently, which are um, water systems and and rationales all throughout the country through to those entities. So that, I mean, we, we interview Helen Warboys, Mayor of Manawatu, on the catch-up uh, once a fortnight as well. And last time we spoke to her, uh, Communities for Local Democracy, which is a... a, a collection of approximately half of the councils in New Zealand who oppose the Three Waters reform are presenting to government. They're getting good support from the opposition parties. Um, are we led to believe that with, with, with Heather taking this job on that the government are not going to uh, drastically reform their current plan for Three Waters and that what Helen's doing is somewhat pointless? Uh, I mean, I, I've been very clear on what the local position is here, and, mm. and certainly there is, um, 
you know, financial implications for the wastewater upgrade that the city has to well, yeah, embark well, upon, we, and, we and interv- that would be offset. We, we interviewed Grant Smith, uh, I think, last week, and I, I asked him, you know, you're not with Communities for Local Democracy. He said, no, but we agree with pretty much all their complaints. It's just we can't afford what we need to do. It's just it's pure maths. Yeah, and that's a matter for him. But the, the position of the council formally, as I understand it, is in support of, of Three Waters. Mm. The rationale behind why they do that, that's a matter for, for the council to um, to articulate, perhaps. Um, but this is something that the government have made very clear that there, there needs to be wholesale change. Um, it arises out of the Havelock North inquiry that was led by uh, certainly the Honourable Lynn Stevens and and another fellow um, person who worked alongside him. Uh, but this this is not just desired, but it's needed. Mm. It will ensure that there is consistency across the country. The government have been very clear around that as well. Um, and what has been taking place or happening is that there have been members within local government uh, who have been working alongside um, the government in an advisory sort of role, you know, that was announced by the minister last year. So instead of just proceeding with these reforms um, by pushing the green button, that we would just pause so that we could get their feedback and, and mm-hmm. feed into that. So I get that there are some elements um, and Certainly, you know, um, Mayor Helen is an example where her council is is not comfortable with with this. It, I think is their perspective is that it takes away the autonomy from local local government. Um, I would push back on that. This is because we're concerned about the health and well being of our communities mm. and ensuring that there is consistency. And so the government is very clear that that's the intention. Uh, but we want to make sure that we have conversations with the community as we move forward. And Heather leading that transition unit alongside others. Um, you know, she's been part of the working group throughout this whole process uh, on behalf of Palms North City Council. She has local government experience. She has uh, experience within the not-for-profit but also mm-hmm. within the private sector as well. So ensuring that all of those talents and skills are part of that transition unit I think will be a, a huge benefit to um, to the process. A couple of minutes left on the catch-up this morning uh, with all of the bad news that we have uh, woken up to uh, this Friday morning. The Polynesian community also... Uh, sad to hear the loss of Vanga Timala, um, Inga the Winger. Inga the Winger. That's who I, how I remember him yes. as a youngster. Inga the Winger um, of solid stock um, <laughs> and on the wing. Yeah. So yeah, very very sad to wake up this morning. And People to, bounced to off him the way that. they did off John Alomo, didn't they? They did. They did. And just um, you know, I'd, I'd heard earlier this morning that um, you know he 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 was the Jonah Lomu before Jonah came along. Yeah. Um, and just in terms of contact with some of my Pacific colleagues within the Pacific Caucus, um, just reminiscing about you know the impact that he has had, not just as a as a sportsman here nationally, but also in the community. Um, many and people a mentor won't know, as well, yeah. and a mentor. Yes, yeah. so many people will know that you know um, he he was part of the the, the funeral business, and mm-hmm. so making sure that a lot of the mystique and, and myths around that was broken down uh, for our Pacific community, that he's paved the way. Uh, for many, actually, in that space. Um, so really, really quite quite sad to learn of his passing at what is a very young age, mm-hmm. um, in his 50s. So, um, yeah, our thoughts are obviously with him and his whānau 
um, at this very, very sad time. Um, just going back to something we've already covered, the, the current uh, situation in Ukraine, um, New Zealand is a multicultural uh, community, Palmerston North, uh, you know, a hundred times. So uh, festival culture sadly cancelled this, this year. Yeah. This um, weekend it was meant to be. But there would have been a presence of Ukrainian and indeed Russian communities at that. Um, do you have a message for Palmerston North, for the, the Russian and Ukrainian communities here? Because they will be stressed out, suffering, mm. uh, may in some cases be the uh, target of abuse or otherwise. It's, it's a turbulent time for expats in any country. It is, and, and I do have a message. I have a message for members of our Ukrainian and Russian communities, and I have a message for our pan-cultural uh, community members as well, and that's to be kind and to look out for each other. You know, um, we all have different connections to different parts of the world, and we are often removed and have no direct uh, relation to the decisions that are made. These are decisions that are being made by other people, um, and the reality is that we are a tight community here. Um, I think actually... Festival cultures would have been this weekend, mm-hmm. and many years uh, Russia and the Ukrainian stalls have won uh, the, the best stall competition or certainly placed. I know that because I was a judge. <laughs> but um, my message is to just stay calm, that we appreciate your contribution here in, in the Manawatu, but also we know that you know y- you don't make these decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, and my message to the rest of us is to look out for each other because we shouldn't be judging others uh, for the decisions that others have made. So they are members of our community. We love them and we need to look out for each other. Marvellous. Member of Parliament for Palmerston North, Tangi Utakiri, thank you for joining us on the Catch-Up this morning. Thank you, Fraser. Go well. And remember, if you want to listen to this or previous editions of the Catch-Up series, head to the website npr.nz forward slash show forward slash catch-up. Back on Monday at half past eight with Wendy Carr from Fielding and District Promotions. Join us then. Bye for now. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show.